Will the rise of Skywalker be the end of the Skywalker clan? Find out in Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, after this brief message. Actually, find out when you watch the movie. I was assuming that already. <laughs> You said find out next. You said said, find out next. Don't watch the movie. Listen to us. (laughs) Just listen to the show. I was trying to do the whole. We're better than the movie. I was trying to do the old TV thing. It was pretty good. You know how they would do it for Superman? Yeah. Will Superman escape from the clutches of the evil Gorgonzola? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the big cheese, so to speak. The big cheese. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Or at least mine. Oh my goodness. Paul's a little wrapped up in himself. (laughs) A little he's a little cloy. He's sheltered. Did you ever see the movie First Man? Dear Yes. I know Paul. Yes. He was there when I saw it, but just as the movie wanted to just kind of keep bouncing off of Neil Armstrong never really understanding yeah, who this yeah. man is that's yeah. paul that's paul in real life i am i'm a chilly person he may have just told me that he's writing a book explaining a lot of stuff in his brain that i'm now very excited it'll be a great to book. read about you um, won't be able to buy it for another year so a whole year well because it takes a long time it. yeah you gotta you gotta go do through the editing process copy I, or do I have to buy one? You really do have to buy one because okay. I need all the money I can. That's but right. I will sign it for you. <laughs> what if I just give you 10 bucks for an advance copy? Oh, you, I can do that. That's probably more money than you're going to get on me buying a copy <laughs> at the store, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be great. You got a deal, buddy. You got a deal. All right. Well, there we go. Wheeling and dealing on the pop culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All podcast. But we're here today to talk about... I mean, you saw it in the title of this show. You're, yes. You clicked on this episode. You downloaded it. You put it onto your device because you knew what we were talking about today. And that's Star Wars <laughs> Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I think that was more for me than for you, just saying. <laughs> I <could. laughs> it was like saying, yes, you downloaded it. You, you read the title. You're ready for the spoilers. <laughs> this is a conversation that Jake and I have every single big movie. It's true. Spoilers we're almost, or no. And I always lose. I always lose. It's that early on in the show, Paul won a couple of times. We did... We have tried to do some spoiler-free versions. Yes, and they were episodes. great versions. None of them rated nearly as well as the ones where we talked about spoilers. <laughs> and so the data, Paul, keeps on. Oh, my goodness. I hate data. And here we hate are. data. I know. Paul hates data. And I've had the data wielded against me. Not by Paul, because he doesn't know the data as well as I do, <laughs> but by other people. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just make up the data. Uh but uh, to round out our discussion of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, the spoiler alert for those of you that weren't put off by the spoiler <laughs> cast title or anything like that, what may very well be or may not be the end of the Skywalker era in the Star Wars Cinematic Universe. May or may not. Uh, we wanted to also rank our favorite creatures from the Star yes. Wars yes. universe. Yes. This is the segment that I'm actually super excited about. Yeah. Paul suggested it, so he should be excited about it. He lost, <laughs> he lost one, one battle. I may yeah. have won the war, Spoilers. but he won this battle. <laughs> he won the battle of 
Let's talk about the little creatures. Oh, uh, I'm very yeah. curious to see how our, our lists stack up against one another. It was actually a lot more tricky than I thought it was going to be, yeah. quite honestly, because what constitutes a creature? I started thinking about it, and I was beginning to feel a little bit like racist. Is that the right term? Because, you know... Xenophobic. Exactly, exactly. What are we going to do with Baby Yoda? What are we going to do with, yeah. you know, these sentient, intelligent creatures? They're creatures, yeah. but, you know... Excuse me, I just burped some chili. That Wendy, <laughs> thank you again for the chili that you made. It was delicious. <laughs> but that is a problem when yeah. ranking creatures in these alien no. universes where we don't know about the inherent racism in the system. We don't know about the history. Or lack thereof, the history we don't of the know, culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't know what kind of abuse that these, these creatures have dealt with in the past. It's yeah. really quite tricky it it very much is but we're we're gonna rank them anyways because that's, that <laughs> because is we're insensitive caucasian is that why? men <laughs> do we rank stuff we rank and then we stuff. say this is the definitive ranking of this stuff no questions <laughs> by golly write it in stone this is it and then of course we'll dive into right. our spoiler filled discussion of star wars episode nine the Rise of Skywalker, and wrap up the show the way we love to wrap up every single show, with the most least important thing. But without further ado, it's time for Rank Geeks. Here we are, stinking up Paul's office, a couple of Rank Geeks. (laughs) Paul oh always has to do a goodness. deep clean once I leave, especially if we do Rank Geeks. Cause he knows yeah, well, I, especially since we ate chili. I'm so I mean, really. I was actually telling Wendy, I'm not sure if chili is the best thing to have. I but. did notice she used, probably in place of a third type of bean, that she used uh, chickpeas. She does like her chickpeas. So that was probably to help with the smell. Exactly. But Paul, as Paul knows, and you guys, because we don't have this in 40 yet, you don't know this. I am so committed to my craft, like a Daniel Day-Lewis, that I don't shower for a week prior to doing a Rank Geeks. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. We, they can probably smell it right through the, uh, right. right through the speakers. But uh, in, the things we're going to be ranking, as two Caucasian men are wont to do. As we are wont to do. Uh, are Star Wars creatures. And as Paul previewed for us, this was a surprisingly difficult task. It was a very difficult task. I thought it was very difficult because originally when I proposed it, I, I said Baby Yoda. But then I thought, is he really? does he really qualify for this? Mm. Because he's clearly sentient. He's very cute, but wouldn't he be just sort of another person walking in the Star Wars universe? I don't know if sure. we can really qualify him as a, as a critter. It's tough. I, it was tough for me, not because of that, but because I'm not as big of a Star Wars nerd as Paul. And so is I realized I, it is true. Hmm. I realized that after you I didn't agreed know? to the segment, I was like, I thought to myself, well, what creatures do I, am I aware of that I actually like? And I could think of off the top of my head without doing any research, I could think of one, two. No. That I would want to put on the list. Oh, my goodness. Three or four total. And two, you know, two of those that I was thinking I'm not going to put those on the list. Hmm. So I had to do more research for this segment. So it's going to be good. Well, it's good. It's going to be good. Uh, with it's that, good to make you do a little work. Paul, what's number five for you on 
your list of favorite Star Wars universe creatures. Number five will re- reveal that although I am a Star Wars geek, I am not nearly as geeky as some people out there because I'm so sure nerd. people will definitely correct my pronunciation on some of these. Oh, sure. The Acclay. The Acclay. The Acclay. What's the Acclay? The Acclay, if you recall from Attack of the Clones, oh. is... Episode two? Episode two, Attack yeah, of the Clones. I tried to put that out of my mind. The worst... Yeah, it really is the worst Star Wars movie. I, we just watched it, actually. But but one of the redeeming values of this movie is that they do have some pretty cool creatures, especially at the very end when when all the people are locked in their... The big old arena, and they're about to be exactly. They're about to be killed by these these critters. There were some cool monsters in there. So the Acklay is the one that has the six legs with the little points on it, and yeah, it has the big mouth full of teeth, and it has like a comb over its head, Uh sort of uh thing. It's a it's it's sort of like it feels a little like a praying mantis meets us. Spider, Spider. sort of meets a, meets a toothy thing, so it's really cool. A toothy thing. <laughs> it's really cool, and it goes <laughs> like that, Just and it's like that. yeah. So and, and it attacks it attacks good old Obi Wan Kenobi. That's the main oh. guy who that creature is after, and so they they fight all the time, and the accolade doesn't wind up living for you know, surviving to the credits, but he's still really cool. Yeah. And uh, hopefully he wasn't like an endangered species. Cause that would be sad. Uh, you know, in universes far away and galaxies long ago, they don't care about that. Kind <laughs> they, of stuff. they don't care. They don't care. It was a different time, a different place, but it, cause it probably was super rare. Unlike mine, number five on my <laughs> list, Banthas. Banthas. Super dumb. I, but it, you know what? As I thought, I didn't even want to put them on my list. They weren't one of the ones I could. I did think of the name off the top of my head, but I couldn't think of what it, what a bantha actually looked like. Right. Then I looked it up and I thought, oh yes, of course I know what these look of like. Of course, the, the Tauntaun or the uh, no. Tuscan Raiders ride on them. Exactly. You know, they're like big woolly mammoth cattle, buffalo bison with huge horns and right. dumb looking faces. Exactly. And I thought, not well, dumb looking know, faces. They're very nice the, looking the, faces. The cattle rancher in me, since my grandfather and uncles were cattle ranchers. There's something nice about these woolly mammoths. You could rope them, cow, tie them up, cow donkeys or whatever yeah. they are. And that would be some rodeo, bantha rodeo, a bantha rodeo, Ooh. bantha poodoo, all over the place. Oh, bantha a fodder, scatological there. Um, but there's no particular reason other than that. When I looked them up and I saw them, I needed a fifth for my list. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, you researched this these really look, well. These are warm and cuddly. I did a lot more research on one through four. <laughs> one through four. Yeah. Banthas and the Banthas. No, it's a know, good. They, they felt nostalgic to me. They, if. It felt as yeah. if they were from the plains of Nebraska instead of the sand swept desert of Tatooine. Yes, yes. They would have definitely been in my top 30. <laughs> uh, all right, so, Paul, what's uh, number four for you? Number four for me. The Dianoga. Don't know what that one is either. Well, no Even in all one. Research. Everybody else who really knows Star Wars better than I do knows. Dianoga. But Dianoga. 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 <laughs> it's really inconvenient so, to say. What I knew it as when I was a kid was the creature who haunted the trash compactor oh, yes, in yes. A New Hope. So where it came to be... It's got an eyeball. A, yeah, exactly. Slithers. Slithers, 
grabs Luke, drags him into the water. It's a really scary, really creepy thing. How he wound up in a brand new Death Star, I so do not weird, know. Right? Yeah, it seems like there should be some sort of. Seems like a plot hole. It does seem like a plot. Maybe hole. the same engineer who put in the the shaft to the core of the ship that was accessible from the outside of the ship. Maybe he also dropped this in there. <laughs> Just dropped it in there. Just for fun. It was an egg. He was a plant. Time. But it was still super cool. I mean, that was that was actually the moment when I was a seven-year-old kid watching Star Wars, as we called it back then. Um, I think that was the moment where I said, this is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> ever. Because it was creepy and you like creepy stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. All right, number four for me, jumping into the future. Number four on my list are the Vultuses. Oh, Vulptex. yeah, yeah, yeah. Vulptexes, singular. Vulptuses. 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 Is, is the plural, uh, a.k.a. the crystal fox. Yeah. That we see in The Last Jedi. The Last when, Jedi. When they kind of take their last stand inside of that bunker yeah. on the crystal ice, but it's not, it's not ice planet. Yeah. There's these Vulptuses, foxes. Yeah. Fixes. Ice foxes. Fixes. Ice, they're crystal foxes. Vulptuses. <laughs> that you see, and dang, if they're not probably the coolest looking they Star Wars are, creatures that I've ever seen. Yeah. No, they're not um, the coolest, but they are definitely cool, for sure. They would be hard to pet. They wouldn't be very cuddly. No. Uh, but dog, dog on it, fox <laughs> got it. They look super cute, super adorbs. They really but also, But also kind of striking and fierce yeah. in their own way with all these sharp, dangling crystals of right. death. Right. Growing out of their fur. They would never be able to sneak up on any sort of prey whatsoever. It, it would be tough. Because they tinkle all the right. time. I mean, they... <laughs> no, they... Content cover. Paul <laughs> Well, I mean, pissing all over. The place. No, 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 no. No, it's like the sound no, no, that their you. crystals I make. I got you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just I thought that they were probably one of my favorite character designs for an animal that I've seen. As far as they're just visually striking, they're sleek, they're really clever. Yeah, they they, they look great. Number three, number three for Paul, the Sarlacc. <sighs> See, this was one the Sarlacc. I get why it's on your list because you like creepy things. Oh, yeah. I never liked the Sarlacc. You never was, liked the Sarlacc. Was, I just didn't enjoy the thought of being digested for a thousand years. Well, neither do I. <laughs> this is, but that's one but of the reasons did. what you makes totally it did. really cool is because you've got this big gaping mouth in the middle of the desert that swallows things and digests them for a thousand years. I think, actually, we just watched the prequel, not the prequel, the, the original um, series again right. with all of George Lucas's add-ins, his CGI add-ins. And I think the worst thing that they did during the entire series is they gave the Sarlacc sort of like this Venus flytrap mouth that comes out of Ugh. the gaping thing. And you can tell it's the the CGI is not good. It just doesn't hold up very well. It does not, no. And, and that actually went against me even including it because that was one that came to mind. Yeah. Because the night I was making the list, I'd been going through the original three with my oldest. Son, right, right. And we had just watched the first half, half of Return of the Jedi where that scene is. And I had forgotten about the fact that Lucas yeah. went... Yeah. I, like every, every movie we've watched, it I keep being reminded of the fact yeah. that he did that. And it's not so, good. I yeah. wish he hadn't. There is a lot of things that he did. They sort of range from 
okay, that doesn't really change how I feel about this movie to, oh, that makes it much, much worse. The Sarlacc, the, the addition there, it feels like an abomination. It feels Yeah, it makes terrible. it feel like a crappy movie. George Lucas, I know you were listening. Yeah. You really need to release the original versions. Please. Yes. I'm showing my son and thinking, this isn't good. It's not good. It's the original. It's a more practical effect. It fits in with the rest of the film. But then when you have these odd moments of rubbery, bad CGI floating over the top, it just really throws you off. No, it's terrible. Number three Um, for you. Number three on my list, Jawas. This gets into Paul's thing about sentience. Yeah. but for me, I always thought of Jabba's as creatures, and uh, I loved how they were spoofed in uh, Spaceballs, and their little utini. I can't do it. I can't do it justice. But I love that little exclamation. I just think it's a classic, hilarious. It makes me laugh every time. It pops up. That that sound effect pops up in the Rise of Skywalker. I loved it then. I laughed in the theater, and they're just. You never see their faces. You just see these growing, glowing red eyes and these little monk robes, and they just mumbling. And I just thought that they were just the funniest little things. And they're great. Va- I pr- vastly preferred them to Ewoks personally. Oh yeah, I did too. Yeah. Actually, I I really did too. I can almost like if you gave me all the space that you was possible. I could probably sing like the the Jawa theme song or hum it. Okay. Enough of that. All right, but that's that's for me. Number three. Paul number two. Number two. From Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. The Rhino. I have no idea what they call it, but it's this big woolly rhino yeah, type of thing. Two. Exactly, exactly. The Mandalorian has to deal with this big rhino to deal with the Jawas, For as help. a matter yep. of fact. Work, yep. Trying to capture the uh, the hairy egg, which was pretty disgusting, but the rhino was super awesome. I really thought that was one of the more intimidating creatures in all the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it was pretty yoked. Yeah. Like a, sort of a dirty Dwayne Johnson muscly rhino type. Yeah. yeah, it was sort of like a fast. It was sort of like a fast bantha, right? I mean, in some ways, I really the pan the banthas. I like the the other animal that I thought about adding to this was the reek from Attack of the Clones, which was again sort of that big hulking beast type of thing. It was mm. another one of the creatures who was in the arena. So I think that I just really like those big bull type things that you could picture in some sort of space rodeo yeah so you probably really enjoyed that scene in john carter i never saw john carter yeah you should should watch it just for that just for that just for that all right number two for me porgs porgs come on porgs (laughs) they just have these dopey adorable dumb faces on these penguin slash puffin bodies they're so adorable and they make a range of noises from cute and adorable to irritating and obnoxious but they're, they're a little like me they're you know they're easily yeah they were just such a night there was they were always plentiful they were kind of always around they were huge they eyes a great, yeah big eyes which we know is a big thing yeah for getting us into yeah, characters. disney princess eyes <laughs> or disney lizard eyes <laughs> disney animal eyes just in general yeah disney eyes just disney, disney eyes. eyes yeah yeah. Uh, as Dak Shepard would say, round eyes. <laughs> um, 
shout out to any armchair expert listeners. But uh, yeah, the Porgs I just thought were a delightful addition in into the Star Wars universe. They they added some nice moments of levity that didn't feel totally out of place in the universe, and I enjoyed their their inclusion. Yeah, um, possibly clouding my judgment in this regard is that. Uh, a couple of Christmases ago, when that movie came out, uh, when The Last Jedi came out, um, you know, my wife had the Google Pixel that had the AR stickers. That, sure, but uh, they for the Star Wars movie, they may, you could put a you could throw a stormtrooper in your living room or an R two D two or porgs, yeah. and then they would sort of flap around and you know it would look as if they were exactly in the scene. Sure. And so on Christmas Day, I was out in the backyard. The kids were all inside playing nicely. We had just gotten a new dog two weeks prior. He was out in the backyard just kind of sniffing around, playing in the grass. And so I actually went and grabbed my wife's phone, and I started populating porgs <laughs> around everywhere out in the yard as he was running around and goofing around. And it was just this cute, adorable little scene of my dog with these porgs. And then, of course... For those of you that don't know the story, my dog died that night, <laughs> horrifically. <laughs> and so there's this, this nostalgia around the Porgs <laughs> and, and Princeton. It was great. It was lovely. So there you go. Porgs are awesome. Oh play with goodness. your dogs. That really right before they die. That really, <laughs> that really took this whole <laughs> this whole rank geek sort of in a totally different direction. Yeah. No Porgs. <laughs> porgs. <laughs> Porgs are really cute. They really are cute. <laughs> Dog aside, they're really cute. Yeah. Oh, so it, it's interesting that two of your creatures, two of your four creatures thus far, have been from The Last Jedi. Yeah. I didn't hate The Last Jedi the way some people did. I liked The Last Jedi. I enjoyed it. I'll fight anybody who says differently. There you go. Paul, number one. On number one. Of course it had to be number one because there really is no other choice. The Rancor. The, the Rancor. Rancor. It, I'm glad he didn't CG over, uh, CGI over the Rancor. No, no. Because really those, those real effects make everything better. The Rancor, for those who don't know, don't it remember. is or don't remember, this is actually my second pick from, from the, what, the, what is it? The Jedi Returns? The Return of the Jedi? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking he's trying to conjure some really obscure reference. No, this is and the so thing. There's been so it. many. They, they, these the Return are like, of the Jedi, episode like, six. Episode six. See, I know the episodes better than the actual names anymore. Right. Because they all sort of sound the same yeah. in some ways. So, But it is it is from The Return of the Jedi. Yes. The Rancor. Luke Skywalker fights it in Jabba the Hutt's big basement and it's a really cool, mean thing that has a really tender-hearted owner. That's right. That that was a favorite scene of mine, even, I think, when I was a kid and finally watching Star Wars, was seeing this big old oaf come blubbering <laughs> yeah. about the Rancor being dead. It probably it's, it has parallels to your dog, now that I think about it. This makes me so sad. <laughs> I threw off this whole show. Paul's just gone. He's done. Oh, man. The Rancor. Uh, number one for me was the biggest surprise on my list because it popped into my head because I had just watched The Return of the Jedi. Oh, got it. And I was, again, struck by how annoyed I was by this character. But I happened <laughs> to be scrolling through different things and click on this character. Oh, and then I started know. reading about this character, and I just thought, 
This is hilarious. I love that he has a backstory. He is now, because of this whole backstory, because of the Star Wars canon, this is now my new favorite creature in the Star Wars universe. And my new favorite creature... Let me guess. Salacious Crumb? Salacious B. Crumb. Because that name is fantastic. <laughs> He's a Kowakian monkey lizard. Kowakian monkey lizard. Yep. I did not know that. And he apparently has a deal going with Jabba. He's the court jester, and as long as he can make Jabba laugh at least once a day, he can have food and shelter and all the booze he wants. And if he fails to make Jabba laugh or gets on his bad side, then Jabba gets to kill him. You know? Oh, who knew? And so, honestly, the first time I watched, uh, honestly, the first time I watched that movie, I thought he might have been like a growth somewhere in Jabba, right? like a sentient growth. Yeah, he. You get no none of this context in the movie. Yeah. And he's super annoying. Super There's annoying. Nothing, he doesn't say anything. He just laughs in a really irritating way. But he sort of seems to be a precursor to Rizzo the Rat. You know, yeah. In the Muppet universe. Yeah. You can see certain elements of the rat He does features. feel very Muppety. Yeah. That and the, and the blue elephant that plays the piano. Yeah. Both feel very Muppety in yeah. a lot of ways. And for me growing up, Rizzo the Rat was one of my favorite Muppet characters. Muppets he, from Space was, I loved Muppets from Space. I loved Muppets Take Manhattan. So Rizzo the Rat, I really was a big fan. Never got Rizzo the Rat. Of Rizzo. Yeah. You just never understood him. Yeah, he was just too deep for me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so when I did the backstory on Salacious B. Crumb, I was like, well, the Kowakian Monkey Lizard is my new favorite. Well, just the name Kowakian Monkey Lizard. That's pretty great. Pretty fantastic. So you wanted to call out something from the movie that we just saw. I did. An honorable mention for my list, but it goes up against the sentient thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, I love the creature design. So that's yeah. where is Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Babu Frick. In and I uh, in this, we've already given ample spoiler warnings. I know people aren't even listening. Well, and Babu I think your Frick. creatures they can I, unless this is, this involves a spoiler. Does it involve a spoiler? No. Babu Frick is a mechanic. He's a he's the he's oh a, Babu Frick. Yeah. yeah, he's the robot. He's a yeah sentient. black market robot. He's yeah. sentient. But the creature design for him, him was yeah. hilarious. I loved it. It felt very Men in Black. Yeah, the voice acting was funny. I thought. And I really, I just got a kick out of Babu Frick as a creature design. So I think my favorite creature from this newest movie was probably the big old lizard. Not the lizard, the snake, snake. thing. Yeah, and in sort of these tunnels underneath this big old, basically quicksand. Yeah, you know, quick rock. I guess they. Anyway, there's there's this creature that lives under it, and it's really cool. So if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, turn this podcast off now. (laughs) Why are you still listening? We gave you a (laughs) warning a while ago, which is fitting because now it's time to move on to the real spoilers for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. All right, here we are. This is the moneymaker. This is this is what we're all here to talk about because they're <sighs> billing this as the end of the Skywalker saga. The end. The end. The end. Or is it the beginning? Well, that's that's the cynic in me. Well, it, the cynic in me is 
They literally ended it by giving us a new Skywalker. They called it the Rise of Skywalker. This is the last give us a new we've Skywalker. Seen. They did give us a new Skywalker. No, they, they didn't. literally gave they us did a new not. They no. literally did. They did not. It was an old character that sort of claimed But a the... new Skywalker. Yeah, it's, you're wrong. It was an old Palpatine, <laughs> you're right. But a new Skywalker. Boy, you did not wait for the spoilers at all. You did not wait. I gave a spoiler alert. Oh, my goodness. I gave five spoiler alerts. If they're this deep in, shame on you. <laughs> shame on you. I don't even feel bad. I don't feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad for the both of us. Uh, don't apologize for me, Paul. <laughs> All right, what are we going to... I reject that. <laughs> so do we need to sort of give like a recap? What What's going in on? In case you've forgotten what happened in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it gets right into it. Actually, no, this is good. It really does. I had forgotten what happened in The Last Jedi yeah. for a second. Before I watched it, because that was two years ago. It was two years ago. It was a long time ago. But this movie just gets right into it. And Murder. they actually tell you what's going on. Like, there's stuff that you didn't know about in the actual crawl. You know, the right. y- letto, let, yellow letter crawl that right. you, happens at the very beginning. Star crawl. Palpatine speaks, right? The dead right. speak. It was as if they expected that you had watched the trailer and heard right. him speak. The voice. Yeah. The voice of Palpatine. Palpatine? Is is that his name? Palpatine, not Palpatine. Palpatine, <laughs> Palpatine. Oh, it's Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> You're like a little pasta with your Alfredo. I'm Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. Other than we didn't hear Palpatine, Palpatine, in the Last Jedi. Right, because he's so dead. If you haven't watched the trailers, if you're one of those. Because I sat next to a woman who doesn't like watching the trailers for most movies. Oh, I know who says. you sat next to. Um, then, then you didn't know that Palpatine, and so it's a good thing that they included it. Yeah, well, it, because really, you kind of think that that with those trailers, you never know exactly if what you see in a trailer or what you hear in a trailer is actually going to happen. I mean, if it's misdirection, if it's misdirection, like you always saw the Hulk, like Dark Ray, like Dark Ray. Exactly. I haven't seen the trailers for that, so I don't know. But but I was thinking about, like, for Infinity War, they always showed the Hulk running. We know that the Hulk had a hard time materializing in, in Infinity War. So sometimes it can be misdirection. Sometimes they can just do a little Emperor voice just for the kicks of it. So Yeah, Shadow of the Emperor, you know, who knows. Exactly. So you didn't watch the Star Wars Episode Nine trailers yourself? I really didn't. I really didn't because I didn't want... Um, again, I, I really wanted to go in fresh. I, I went in with this with um, an interesting reaction. Like with, with The Force Awakens, I was really fired up because it had been a while since we had seen a Star Wars movie. And and for those of you who don't know, I grew up on Star Wars. When I was seven years old, I saw the very first one. It changed. It is the reason why I review movies today, most likely. So these are sort of in my DNA. And so I think that, but as time has gone on, you know, Force Awakens was great uh, in its own replicative way. I really liked Last Jedi. But with Avengers Endgame, this almost felt like an afterthought to me in terms of like the movies that I got excited for. I wasn't particularly excited. I was interested, but not excited to see this movie. Yeah, the guys, when I was checking in for the screening, asked that prerequisite question, are you excited? And I said, 
They're like, of course you're excited. But honestly, <laughs> I was only... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a big deal. I was never deal, a Star but... Wars super fan right. myself. I didn't... It was not transformative to me the way it was for you and many others because I saw it well after it came out. I right. saw it well after my friends had seen it, so it wasn't exciting to them by the time I saw it. And so it, it was just a thing. I was catching right. up. Right. And so, yes, this is cool, but it was cool because everybody else had told me I needed to watch this and I knew this was a cultural touchstone that I needed to experience. It's sort of a must-watch if you want to know anything about American pop culture at all. Right. Really. But there wasn't anything transformative for right. me in watching it. It had already been right. spoiled. I knew it happened. I just needed to get through it. <laughs> and it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it. Right. But I, I was not... Oh my word, Star Wars! Right, right, exactly. And and I think that as as we get older, as we mature, I, I think that that's that's sort of what happens. I mean, I watch movies for a living now, so of course I'm not going to get as excited. It's a little like it's a little like being a sports reporter, right? I mean, you might grow up loving the Denver Broncos or the Green Bay Packers, but if you're covering them for a living, you know, you're there to do a job. And I was there to do a job, and that that was kind of how I stepped into the theater. And then you hear that first note, Ba-dum! you know, just, just, da, da, da. and all of a sudden you become, at least I become, you know, an eight year old again, you know, yeah. it just sort of takes you back in the past. And, uh, and so this particular story, um, effectively says how Palpatine, <laughs> Palpatine, Pulp, <laughs> thank you. You know, the guy who, who pulls out the pulp with the fork. Pulp times. Shepherd pulp times. Yeah, this is just... <laughs> this is humiliating. So, but it tells you how he came back, right? It does not tell you how he came back. No, he doesn't. That, it doesn't. That, I want to say, that but it irritated tells you, me. He just told you that he is back. And, and I was like, this is a bit of a deus ex, deus ex machina, though not in its traditional context, where right. it traditionally comes in at the end. To help save our heroes, it was sort of, oh, we need a way to make this story even more evil and epic, so boom! Yeah. Palpatine never died! Yeah. You know what? And I think that maybe that that is actually a good jumping-off spot to talk about some of some of the movie's weaknesses, because the movie does have some weaknesses in terms of, like, its logic, yeah. right? I mean, oh, would yeah. you agree? Absolutely. They, they, they try to... They, all they give you on Palpatine is, oh, you know, the Sith... Um, they did, you know, like dark arts. So, sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's Star Wars. But for a movie that's so rich, like for a universe that's so rich in lore, for them to sort of brush past that real quick for such a big character and for such a big – a character that's supposed to have all this connection right. into the rest. Like he's been in every – you know, he's been in all three versions – of, or all three trilogies, if you will, right of this saga, and right. oh, and now he's a part of the family, which is another place where it falters because it says he's the grandfather of spoiler Ray. Alert. <laughs> we already did the spoiler alert, <laughs> but it says he's the grandfather of Ray, which yeah. does not work at all in a timeline because he he could have been the grandfather of Anakin Skywalker. Maybe even the great-grandfather of Anakin Skywalker, but at least the grandfather of Anakin Skywalker. And Anakin Skywalker is the grandfather of Kylo Ren. And so that means, at best, he's the great-great-grandfather 
of Ray if if like because these are humanoid characters. Right. And so that doesn't make any sense. They just expect us to forget about the fact that he was super old when Anakin Skywalker was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, were... I I think that that I'm very curious to see how the Star well, Wars maybe... Uber nerds feel yeah. because that does not make any sense at all uh, maybe the sith i don't know the i don't know the whole lore of star wars like some people do maybe the sith are super long living maybe there's like maybe because he talks a little bit about how um how he has been around for a good long while and right. essentially you have these sith that sort of regenerate it's not the first time he died da, 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 da. so you have these these regenerative powers that are the are, Sith are living in him he wants to live on exactly. to successor i i understood how they got there for him but they showed ray's parents yes they did and show ray's, ray's parents. parents were of an age that like when they showed them that it does not work yeah it could he would have been dead by the time you know the time that his parent her parent like but Yet he was searching the galaxy yeah. for her. Uh, he couldn't have fathered yeah. kids because he was this well and raised kids. And yeah, my my wife was wondering how exactly that happened <laughs> as well. You know, yeah. and, and it's it's very confusing. The ti- that part doesn't work. You have to suspend that disbelief. Ironically, I was watching an episode of Watchmen like the day before oh, yeah. on HBO, and they have also some sort of progeny that comes from uh, essentially a secret sperm bank. And so maybe there was something like that. Who knows? Sure. Who knows? The thing that I had a problem with was, <laughs> so we've gotten, so you have the emperor back, uh-huh. right? He lives on the secret Sith planet. Sure. And Kylo Ren finds him, talks with him for a little bit. Emperor Paul Pupine. <laughs> He all of yeah, a sudden ball, ballpark clean. He all of a sudden reveals that he's been building this secret, massive, <laughs> fleet, huge, huge, ten, huge. What they what do on they a say? secret planet? They say like ten x. Yes, the imperial fleet. Yes, exactly. Where did they get the people? Where did they get the people? Where did they get the money? That stuff costs money. And the materials. And the materials. They amassed and they all amassed. Of a sudden, and, it was just yeah. poof. An armada Oof. and an army, ten times the size of the Imperial Army, which yeah. they make very clear multiple times throughout this new trilogy that the only reason they could get the Imperial Army to this size was by stealing the children of all the races, right? Right, right. And that, and 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 they even say that's not enough. We're going to have to recruit in other ways. We need more men. Whatever happened to cloning is what I've got to ask about. That maybe that's what Palpatine was doing. Maybe he was cloning. But again, we see. Some of his staff, yeah, on this well, some of his star destroyers, and they're not clones. No, There's men and women of different. They're just regular races people. and genders, and yeah. And so, how did and, he amass? Yeah, a ten x size of the Imperial <laughs> Army without anybody having any clue. Yeah, it felt it felt strange. It felt a little like me manufacturing like a whole bunch of F-15s secretly in my garage, you know, and all of a sudden saying, here they are, 15,000 F-15s. 15,000 F-15s with pilots, with yeah. la- launching I, strips. I On a secret planet. I just don't get it. it. Uh, with that only, yeah, there's only two ways to get there. Yeah, with two exactly. Of these, that's, again, a huge plot point. <laughs> 
There's only two of these Sith Wayfinders. Well, three. They, they, there were three. Was there three? Yes, there was There three. was not three. There were three. They say that there's two. No, there's three. Where's there the was third? A, There was only two left after after Kylo Ren found his. So Kylo Ren found his. Then it the like uh, Ray finds the other one uh-huh. in the wreckage of the Death Star, and Kylo Ren crushes it. And then the third one is with Luke Skywalker. It's on his planet. No, no, no. She pulled it out of the wreckage of Kylo's ship. No, yes. no, she no. She pulls no, it out no. of the wreckage of Kylo's ship. Uh, I don't think she so. She goes back. Well, no, she literally was... pulls it out of the cockpit of no. Kylo's ship. No. Because that's she, she's Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I apologize. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> but there there were 3. They actually said there were 3. Okay, I remember them saying that only two exist. We'll go with three, but regardless. I'm sure someone will correct us. The difference between two and three is very small. (laughs) Your point still holds. (laughs) It's not as if they had a bunch of these to be passing around. And as we know from real life, there's a whole bunch of science around how, how the more people are involved in something, the harder it is to keep it a secret. Right, right. Uh, This is a whole thing around conspiracy theories. That, oh, well, to do X project, you would have had to have X number of people involved. And when you have X number of people involved, it's impossible to keep right. because of things, right. the way things go. Right, out. yeah. Again, it just, <laughs> you, you, you have an army that's 10x the size of the largest army yeah. that the universe has ever seen. Right, right. It felt... And they people give they the prequels leaned on the cloning thing. Yeah. Because they, he'd done it before. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, here's... You know, people give the prequels a really hard time and for lots of really good reasons. But the clones, that sort of made sense within the context of the story, right? I mean, you could picture them raising a clone army off on this faraway planet. The whole fleet, this gargantuan fleet on a secret planet that you can only get through through some weird red wormhole thingy, it just didn't work. It It just didn't work. That, for me, was... Probably the biggest flaw in this movie is that you have to, for such a rich and detailed universe, you have to completely abandon the rules in aforementioned deep universe to believe any of the emotional stuff that comes on. But that sort of leads me, unless you had another big flaw to... Well, we could talk about more flaws, but go ahead with your point. I want to get there too. But I think this emotional success of the most recent trilogy is because they simplified the story to your point about the uh, like episodes one through three, they're way too complex. They try to explain too many things to flesh out this universe, get into socio-political things that we just don't care about that we don't care about, but they, they make sense. Right. That builds this universe, right. but we just don't care. Right. These movies, episodes seven, eight, and nine, don't make nearly as much sense. There's huge plot holes throughout, and this one in particular. This one in particular. Glaring plot yeah. holes yeah. and things you have to give over. But the emotional tone is there. And it so you want to you want to whitewash over a yeah. lot of that other gunk. Right. Even though it's not gunk, it, it does take you out of the movie. But this one, and it's JJ Abrams again. I think succeeds because it leans on some similar tropes. Yeah, as Return of the Jedi. Yeah, no, I think I think that, that when you're looking at these movies, the Star Wars movies 
require a different suspension of disbelief than a lot of other science fiction movies do, right? I mean, most science fiction movies, as outlandish as they can be, they're grounded in something. This one, you really just go straight out and it just becomes this fantastic story that where the rules of physics really just don't apply. And, and, and so because you sort of walk in with the suspension of disbelief, I think we're sort of primed for that. And we come because of that emotional payoff. We come because we've, we've grown used to these characters. We like these characters. They become iconic characters in a lot of ways. And you're absolutely right. One of the, one of the drawbacks of, of the prequels, I think, was that you really didn't care very much about the main players involved. You know, I think Ewan McKellen as, as Obi-Wan was probably the most sympathetic character in some yeah. ways in, in the, the whole prequel trilogy. These new people, Ray and Poe, you just really care about. You yeah, Finn really, and even Kylo. Oh, and... yeah, absolutely. Oh, Kylo. You know, these people you really care about. And because of that, because you're so invested in the characters, you're willing to excuse a lot of things. And the emotional payoff here, you're absolutely right, is just out of the ballpark i think yeah i think abrams did a better job this time around of masking the fact that it steals or apes yeah a lot of the emotional poignancy of return of the jedi right. because again you have a promising powerful up-and-coming jedi being stalked by a sith across the universe having close encounters with one another having uh, needing pep talks, not finishing their training, needing pep talks from dead or dying Jedi Masters, and then going to face the evil Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. And there being a Palpatine. family. <laughs> Bump Sorry. cream remover. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. And then you have family fighting family, and the, that reveal, and that stepping into the power of your family. And then reversing that. and Yeah. So there's a lot of similar emotional story beats in this to Return of the Jedi, similar to what I think Abrams did in Force Awakens and New Ho- like comparing it to New Hope. Right. It, one of the things that I think actually worked better on, on, on that particular level is that it seemed like it was much more conscious in a way. I mean, it was obviously very conscious in Force Awakens. It followed the the story almost beat by beat. Yeah. This one felt more like an homage in a way. Right. Like you say, it, there's a scene where they're in the wrecked Death Star from from the last the last real movie, you know, on, on Endor. It crashed to Earth. It goes to this planet. It didn't crash to Earth, but it crashed on one of the planets Endor. in the Endor system. Yeah. And you see these elements as Rey is sneaking through the old Death Star. You see what looks like she almost falls off of one of those pillars that Obi-Wan Kenobi was sort of walking around in the original Star Wars. She goes into the Emperor's throne room. Um, you have these these echoes that felt really resonant to me, to be quite honest with you. And of course, the last scene with the two rising uh, sons, that was something that I think caused someone 
another fellow reviewer to actually burst into tears because he remembers <laughs> he remembers the two the two sons from the very first one and that was his favorite from scene. Well, exactly. that wasn't that the magazine cover. Exactly. Was was Luke on Tatooine with the with the two sons? The two sons. So. Yeah. So it, it it was literally. I mean, Abrams is just going for your emotional gut. Yeah. With haymaker. After. Logic be darned. Yeah. Let's go straight for the emotion. Right. Straight for the heart. Um, were there any other flaws or things that worked for you in particular that you? Uh... Yeah. The other the other one that really, I sort of tried to make peace with it, but. You have these, you know, this huge, this huge fleet of spaceships, right? So the the good guys come down and they attack with horses. You know, the spaceships are floating <laughs> in the air, and then the horses land on the spaceships and ride down the the these flat big spaceships. Yeah. It seems like it would be really, you know, if if oxygen is not a problem, it, at least it would be really really cold. There, I mean, they're floating way up in the sky. They are high. They they want you to suspect. That one, like that one, you can suspend a little bit of disbelief because you of the can fact make that they've excuses for they've it, made yeah they've made it clear that they haven't been able to clear the atmosphere of the planet yet right and that is the whole point of their attack is they're trying to get to disrupt their launch out of the atmosphere but it is still a little bit ridiculous that you the horses but kind of but in your it was to, cool. your, to your sci-fi point these are alien horses on right. alien planets and again you know i think it, it shows just jj abrams decision to go for emotion over logic when you see people riding on horseback <laughs> riding to the rescue there's probably like an, a real emotional connection it's sort of like right. you know when it, when indiana jones hops on a on a horse yeah. and rides into the fray it doesn't make much sense necessarily with a bunch of tanks but it sure works emotionally right right it mirrors we can picture ourselves in that scenario because we've probably all been around horses to a degree probably ridden one at some point in our lives and it also is a bigger point that was always sort of at the heart of star wars of the ragtag right hard scrabble rebels against the big technological evil right. empire right and that was indiana jones versus the nazis mm-hmm. and so he was the rough hewn no plan just get her done tomb raider going against the technological empire of the time with right. these tanks and these right. airplanes and yeah you know that was that was the that was the iconic scene was him taking down all those tanks yeah coming in off his horse yeah you know one interesting thing just as you're talking about sort of the evil nazis from the indiana jones movies the the first order in this felt more Nazi-ish than, than I've ever seen in any of the Star Wars movies. Like like mm. the bad guys here felt worse in a lot of ways. They just felt, you know, you see people, them dragging out citizens from their homes. You see just a lot of really creepy elements that struck me it, that this is, this is something of a magnitude greater than what we saw even with Darth Vader and, and his empire. Yeah, I think that for me was aided by the, well, going back to what I said, the way this movie gets right into it. Right. In that with Darth Vader, with previous villains, it was always a more theatrical villainy. You heard the talk about it. You heard the talk about the Empire and their evil. You saw a planet blow up, but there's no way to contextualize in our brains. We know that scientifically, contextualize a whole planet. Right. Dying. You know, we just have to, oh, well, something blew up. It's shiny. Exactly. We can't, exactly. We can't fathom that. In this, the movie literally starts 
after the with the crawl, right? Where it says Kylo, supreme leader Kylo Ren is raging through the universe looking for Rey, right? And then the movie and wants opens. to kill the Emperor too because he doesn't want a threat to his own power, right? But it, we haven't learned that yet. But, well, it's in the crawl, but that's all right. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, it does say that. Uh, I stand corrected. I win. Um, but then as the actual visuals open, he is straight up murdering folks in vicious ways with his army, his horde of knights. Right. And then we see him do that again and again. And he has this stalking, but much more visceral and, oh, that's a human being he just cut down. Right. Exactly. Or a sentient being that he just cut yeah. down. And that feels more visceral than Vader or Palpatine or Dooku or uh, or even Darth Maul, Maul, yeah, ever felt. I, I think that that's that was sort of an interesting thing about this movie. I think you're absolutely right. They the the bad guys before they were bad. I mean, Darth Vader is one of the all time greatest villains, and yet he was kind of cool too. I mean, you could see why people would dress up as him. Kylo Ren, he is bothersome i mean he is just really villainous and terrible and and it's it's really hard to even though he's got the cool sword and everything and he can do some really cool things and one thing that i think really worked in this movie was his relationship with ray um he just strikes you as a bad bad person well you know what and actually i was gonna say sort of the opposite Mm. that was one of my weaknesses for kylo ren Adam the, Driver does a great job. The strength, job. yes. The strength, Adam Driver's portrayal, really good. The emotional depth, obviously much better than any other villain in the Star Wars universe that I've seen, at least. I know there's plenty of the Star Wars like TV universe I haven't delved into yet. Um, and so that felt good, but it also made it harder for me to understand the megalomaniacal side of him that wanted to rule and destroy the entire universe because his problems did seem so entirely personal between him and himself, him and his grandfather, him and his father, him and his mother, him and his uncle that I understand how that character gets to acting out and killing here or there. But to get to this megalomaniacal place, I didn't feel like that dot was connected quite as easily for me because they made they almost made him so personal and his conflict so personal to the point where I didn't understand why he was so obsessed with the whole grand scheme of the universe right. versus and you can get there with a lot of extra exposition. I can talk myself there, but in right. the movie I didn't feel like that worked. Yeah, see for me it really did. I think that, that that's one of the one of the things about Adam Driver's portrayal is that he he feels real, and because of that, the evil that he does feels all the more real too. Sure, I, I think it's hard yeah, for what anybody to commit. Right, truly dark. You can't relate to him. I, I think that you're right in that you can't necessarily relate to him. Um, but I think that that the path that he takes is consistent with the character that we've seen on screen, and I think that that. Even though it's really horrific, all that personal pain drives home that point, I think, in a way that even Darth Vader doesn't. You know, I think that that Darth Vader, what we know in the prequel series is that they wanted, you know, Anakin really wanted a strong leader. He wanted somebody who could be in charge and make the decisions that needed to be made. And that sort of drew him over to the dark side. Kylo Ren 
was just a hurting, bad human being who was looking up to the wrong people. And I, I don't know, for me, that felt more resonant to me. When I see him rage, I see him hurt. Yeah. In a way that you don't see Darth Vader hurt. No, I and agree. I think, and I think it's sort of like like an animal in, in a sense that, that gets injured and just lashes out at everything. It feels like Kylo Ren was just lashing out at everything. And since the universe was within his power to lash out at, that's what he did. Yeah. And, and I get that. I think that just then, for me, made his switch away from the dark side feel more abrupt. Mm. Emotionally, again... This is right. where Abrams gets points for getting you there emotionally because he has that moment right. with the memory of his father and the last touch point with his mom before you know she passes on. But logically, you think this is the dude who killed his father, who ran away from his mother, who actively waged a totalitarian war of slaughter across the universe against his mother. Right. And then and then you know, almost just like that in a very relatively brief scene, all told. Right. All of a sudden, oh, now I'm going, now I'm on the good side. Yeah. You know, and I, I totally get that. I think that. And so that, that works for him as a flawed hurting boy who was not that far into the dark side, you know, who just needed the right push back to the good side. But if you just need that right push back to the good side, then I don't, I don't buy you as being that far yeah, see, into the dark side. And I always saw him as flawed and hurting and definitely bought into the dark side, but it was because of all the hurt and all the sure. anger and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so when Ray, spoiler alert, alert um, you know, when Ray heals him, all of a sudden, I think that, that narratively, whether this would actually work in real life, I don't know if we can say, sure. but... Star Wars. Honestly, when you think about kind of the world that we live in, Jake, sort of that that evangelical world, you hear about these these stories all the time of I was in this terrible place and this moment changed my life. Absolutely. And so it feels in that way, in sort of that evangelical world, it feels a little more normal, I think. True. Than, no, than it, it, it doesn't work for the cynic in me, but right. to the hopeful, optimistic side of me, there are examples like that. Yeah. So. So uh, yeah, and. and I I think that one of the things that that was the strongest actually throughout this entire sequel of sequels was Ray and Kylo's relationship. I thought that it worked really well. You felt that tension between them. You felt the desire to turn each other. You felt the romance. Uh, you felt, and they were just really kick butt warriors. Yeah. Two was, really broken people yeah. who picked different ways of dealing with their brokenness. That's a good point. Yeah. They 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 truly were that mirror of yeah. the light and dark side and that they were both dealt, you know, difficult circumstances and they dealt with or but even Kylo's was maybe not as difficult but he chose to deal with his hurt and brokenness differently. Right. His betrayal. Right. His perceived betrayal differently the way, than Ray did. Yeah. Yeah. And that moment in in Palpatine's secret chamber where uh, he's surrounded by his knights without a weapon, and then Ray is, you know, face down with her choice. Oh yeah, emperor, and then she yeah. puts the saber behind her back, and then he pulls it. That was dope. That, that was, was really awesome. Good. And I also did really love the scene. They had the, 
this movie did, I think, what, what Avengers Endgame did really well. It had these moments that make you almost want to jump out of your chair. When And you see this in the trailers, actually, when Rey is being chased by Kylo's spaceship. Right. And she jumps backward and slash. Oh, my goodness. And then you see Kylo climb out and start stalking toward her. They're, they had some great set pieces that just that really resonate with you and sort of, I don't know, I think they stick with you in some ways. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, glad we made this turn because I didn't want to come across as only bagging right. on this. There are definitely some flaws, but... But, the, you're right, some of the set pieces here mm. are incredible. And in particular for me, the scenes, again, that they've been they've been showing us building it throughout the this trilogy of this connection between kylo ren and ray mm-hmm. where they can communicate across a distance and kind of be in the so same place done. the way that was done with the camera circling around moving them in and out of different scenes mm. the way that then they started interacting with one another in physical ways throughout this di- this distance fighting the way that was shot cinema you know cine- uh, from a cinematography perspective palpatine palpatine <laughs> Uh, cinematography <laughs> was really good yeah. and totally worked for me. Yeah, and the set, just the different planets that they took us to. Again, finding reasons to explore and expand on these mm. alien universes and planets and realms that they could play with. Yeah, I I was a fan of that, and ultimately really came away enjoying the film overall. I really did too. I really did too. It, it's one of those movies that's easy to sit down and pick at. But in the as moment... the first three are. As, well, and that's the thing. I think that we, we often give those first three, at least I do, because they're so near and dear to my heart, we give those first three a pass. Um, there are problems in all of these movies Sometimes the problems are very similar from movie to movie. Sometimes they, they like you say with the prequels in these movies, they they sort of switch problems, they switch flaws. Um, but man, emotionally, this hit every. Honestly, I think this movie hit almost every single note that you would want in a finale for this quintessential American series. Yeah, I think. So with that. How do you feel? This, I mean, this journey for you. This is the question I kind of wanted to get to 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 capstone this yeah. discussion. Is this started for you as a seven year old boy, forty two years ago? Yeah. Now being, you know, wrapped up in the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel. Well, it's I. Here's it's it's an interesting thing because I've actually been talking with with a few people about my I don't binge shows because when I really like something I never want it to end. Yeah. And in a way when you look at the the Star Wars saga obviously it's not coming to an end. Mandalorian is going to go on, you know there's going to be a ton more movies. There's stuff on TV, there's all the video games. This is a universe that is very intact. I am I am really happy that this saga, this this trilogy of trilogies, ended where where it did and how it did. It, for me, it was it was truly satisfying in a way that I was not expecting. 
So, yeah. And you? I obviously didn't have the same history with this series. But I did feel as though this was a really compelling and satisfying ending without being overly schlocky the way it could have been. Right. Um, and I, I, I am cynical enough to say that I, I doubt this is the end for Skywalker. For even the, like you could see an episode the Skywalker 10. saga. Yeah. Uh, because of what they, they so did much with Ray yeah. at the end. And yeah. there's so much money out there and that trumps nostalgia for the producers because they want to capitalize on nostalgia. But my hope is that they leave this alone and that yeah. they move this and explore the star Wars universe elsewhere. Yeah. Because, because it's a rich really universe. Feel, there's plenty to do. Right. Uh, and this felt like a fitting conclusion yeah. to the Skywalker saga for he, me. It, it really is a remarkable year when you think about it for, for geeks like us to have, the culmination of two incredibly popular, incredibly influential, and really well done series. I think overall, when you when you see the the end of of the whole MCU, or at least one stage of the MCU, the Tony Stark saga, the Tony Stark saga, you know, Endgame was a great emotional capper for that. This was a great emotional capper. I. I I mean, that's a pretty incredible to have one year that features both of those huge, huge, quote unquote, endings. Um, it's it's a great time to be alive, Jake. <laughs> and I, I think that's where I uh, for me, being the cynic side of me says we know we know right. there's other Star Wars movies in the works. Oh, there's, there's other Marvel, Marvel movies, movies in the works. Uh, and so I wanted to just me, end though, right. you know, <laughs> there's a part of you that does. Yeah. We were ta- again, talking to another reviewer who sort of said, no, I think, you know, this just feels it's, it's good. It's right. done. And it's no, it's not. They're going to do it again. And it's not, you know, they're going to dredge it up and it's, so don't get too comfortable in that. Like I, I have no semblance of any delusion that, that, that this is done. This is the last we've seen in the Skywalker saga, right? Personally, right. That's my thought. Um, what, where, you know, where this does uh, concern me a little bit, as far as like where the Star Wars cinematic universe goes next, is that by the time they get back around, though, to start dredging this back up, we're going to be a little bit farther along in the technological advancement. And I, what concerns me is that we'll get a decade from now, and Disney will decide to reboot or add on or whatever these actors like Mark Hamill and uh, <laughs> you know yeah. obviously Carrie Fisher's yeah, already no, going I hear what you're saying uh, that they're going to start you know we're already seeing them movies and movie studios be tempted to digitally recreate these characters and I really don't want to see that happen well it's sort of like the battle between the light and the dark side yeah. in a way you know because you have the power you have the power to do this this incredibly technological stuff do you have the will to not use it right you know to let, to let that that humanity be something special right i i, I actually really appreciated that uh, like about the rise of skywalker that jj abrams like jj abrams used real footage mm-hmm. of carrie fisher he didn't he didn't he's, he said i'm not going to recreate 
her digitally. I'm just going to find, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to chop up old stuff. I'm going to figure out a way to get it in and there. And it worked, I think. It it did. Like, you think about it because you know you got to think about it. Right. Because you know it wasn't actually made for this purpose. So you right. knew he had to splice it together. So you have to think about it. Overall, it works. If you didn't know that they had to do that, you probably wouldn't notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's something special about the fact that these are moments in time mm. with these actors with and portraying a character at a certain place in time in their life. And I, for one, call me an old fogey all you want. I don't like the idea of redoing that. Yeah. With, no, I, I'm with, with you. With digitized versions of them down the line. Yeah. Because I think that's sort of some of the, uh, an important part of the magic of this cinema. Yeah. Is that this is a time capsule of of a moment and I like that about cinema. Yeah, no, and I, I wonder sometimes too whether there might be a temptation to actually reboot the series. Right. You know, because you do have, you have so many things being rebooted. We've seen Spider-Man story rebooted how many times? Right. And, and it does make you, I think it works for some reason in the comic book universe. I tell you what, if someone remade The New Hope, I'd be, I'd be out there with a picket sign. I think by the time your grandkids, I think it's probably going to happen. Oh, don't say that. I think I think it's going to happen. I don't I don't see how they I don't see how they can get away with it with not. Yeah. <laughs> because they're going to they're going to hit some down years and they th- they're going to think, you know how we can dredge this back up? Nostalgia. And that for me is probably going to be the most curious thing with the Star Wars cinematic universe from here on out is the fact that we're already seeing them do it with the Mandalorian where here, Oh, this is brand new, a character we don't know expanding on a universe on this universe. Oh, but here's a, here's a character you remember, even if it's not actually Yoda, they're bit, they're really don't elbowing be... hard on baby Yoda. right? Oh, baby Yoda is the best. And, that temptation, you know, that yeah. you want to you want to pick on those pieces of nostalgia, and that's going to be. Here's tempting. the thing, though. I think that, and we we should really probably bring this episode to a close. But <laughs> here's the thing: I think that, that when you use when you use the universe that you have created and create new stories from it, I think it works. Yeah, and I think that that Baby Yoda. I mean, we we assumed I think that that Yoda was not the only one of his kind ever in the universe. So sure. I think that, that the idea that you have sort of this phoenixing character, it works for me. I don't have that same revulsion no. that I even did with, in some ways, I felt like the Mandalorian works in some ways in terms of, of standing alone as a story better than even The Force Awakens does. Yeah. Well, and I, I again, I'm not, I'm not personally bothered by their, but I, I'm more using it as a reference point to say, there's always going to be that temptation sure. to, to use that nostalgia, and it can be done creatively, like with Baby Yoda, but it has to be because they're in the middle of finishing the Skywalker saga, right. and Yoda's right. dead. In the future, though, what you know, what about Chewie? What about these other cute characters? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. C-3PO's, R2-D2's, things like that. How how brave will they get in exploring this universe with brand new characters and brand new creature designs while still keeping that anchor? And that's a tough thing to do. It's a really tough it's thing. It's a really to tough do. thing to do. So it's the, the hard thing when you create good things. That how is you, true. 
wanting to make more of that good thing, but also make new things and that tension. So what's next for the Star Wars Cinematic Universe? I, for one, hope we get something with Darth Maul, just to go oh. back on my whole <laughs> yeah. nostalgia thing. Uh, I still want that movie because we saw that at the end of Solo. We saw this, holy cow, there's Darth Maul again. I, so the nostalgia in me still wants that movie. So go to making new stuff after you give me something more. <laughs> Gone I, too soon. I think, I think maybe a Salacious Crumb standalone movie would be great. Ooh, Salacious Crumb and Darth Maul in the same flick. <laughs> a buddy movie. It's possible. We don't know how long these Kowakian monkey lizards live. That'd be great. Well, if they're in The Mandalorian, not very long. <laughs> That's... Have you seen a Kowakian monkey lizard in The Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were, they were, they were I, being barbecued in the first episode. In the first episode? First episode. I miss that. Yeah. I miss that. Sad. Uh, well, we're excited to hear what you thought about Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, where the Star Wars cinematic universe is going. Hopefully we didn't spoil anything for you. <laughs> if you made it this far... <laughs> I love you because you just didn't care. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are at the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little episode of ours. Even the long ones. Even the long ones that aren't so little. <laughs> it's where we make the mountains into molehills and vice versa. Paul, what do you have for us this go round? So, do you want to own a newspaper? I do want to own a newspaper. That I want to add newspaper magnet to my LinkedIn. You have a, you have a possibility of doing just that. Really? There is apparently a newspaper for sale in Skagway, Alaska. Skagway, Alaska. Skagway, Alaska. Home of the last blockbuster. For zero dollars. No, no money down. No money down. No money ever. Except that you have to pay the people who ever write. Sure, the you got to build yeah. it up. But no initial investment. You go in there. You say, I want this paper. You don't have to pay a dime for it. And they'll just give it to well, you. They'll just sign it over yeah. to you. What yeah. do you get? You get a printing press. I, I don't know. I didn't read that far. I was busy looking up. My, <laughs> I was busy looking up my list. All I knew is that I want to go to Skagway, Alaska, you, and buy a newspaper. All Paul knows is they had a Craig. He's had a Craigslist <laughs> alert set up no. for news, like for a newspaper. Not just a newspaper, but a newspaper being <laughs> News sold anywhere. Paper. Exactly. And finally got that zero dollars in his e- inbox, and he said, yeah. "Now's my time." Yeah. Alaska, here I come. You might get a Xerox machine. I'm I'm not <laughs> exactly sure, but <laughs> that is oh man. All right. Well, I I am a fan of the last blockbuster account. I imagine that's up in Alaska somewhere. So. Yeah. Well, it, actually, it's in Oregon. Is it in Oregon? It is in Oregon. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking to get into the newspaper business, Paul's looking for initial investors. <laughs> yeah. Angel investors, as it were. We can all go up to Skagway, Alaska, and write a newspaper together. This I don't know like what goes on in, of in either a raunchy, like fraternity comedy movie, or a horror film. Oh, where a bunch of people yeah. get murdered, you know, and Robin Williams has to come in and be a part of it somehow. He was in that. Yeah, Al Pacino, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very good. I don't remember the name of that movie. I'm but forgetting the name. Now. It's like uh, no, it's uh, Insomnia. Insom- right? yes. Is it it's Insomnia? I think it is. I think it is Insomnia. Yeah, yeah. 
And Al Pacino couldn't sleep. Yeah, he couldn't sleep. There you go. Tangent. All right. Most (laughs) least important thing for me is um, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Is he buying a newspaper? The man who just keeps on giving us new stories. Oh, my goodness. Even when they're – it's fascinating because obviously I was – Obviously, for those of you who are stalkers of me, you know, <laughs> I was not old enough to know what was going on with O.J. Obviously. Simpson. Obviously. Back in the early 90s. I was just enjoying life, not caring about who was stabbed to death outside of their home <laughs> by an ex-football player. You were in your playpen. The fact that I didn't realize he won his Heisman in the 60s, before Paul was even born. Before I was even born. Before so, they even had metal for the Heisman. They made it out of twigs. So there's that. No, they had metal. The thing weighs over 40 pounds. Okay. All and right. I know this oh, now. Okay. I know this now because there's a fantastic story on ESPN about the strange but true tales of O.J. Simpson's two Heisman trophies. Two Heisman trophies. So a couple of years before O.J. Simpson won the Heisman, the the Heisman committee decided we're going to make two Heisman trophies for every winner because one of their winners, Steve Spurrier decided to give his to his school. Oh, because he thought, well, you know, they gotcha. deserve it. He, yeah. he was trying to be a good guy. And so they said, Who knew you know what? He's Steve Spurrier won a Heisman. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, go Not ahead. that long before OJ Simpson. They're about yeah. the same age. Hmm. Um, and so they decided we'll make one for the school and one for the winner. OJ Simpson famously wins a Heisman, gets his, and the USC gets theirs. What happens after that, specifically beginning around the time of the murders and the subsequent trials, is bananas with theft and uh, uh, literally, a, at one point, a homeless man sleeping with one of OJ's Heismans in the streets of Los Angeles. Wow. And twists and turns and people holding on to the Heisman and damaging the Heisman to prevent its resale, to hurt its resale value around the case. To a guy, a pris- uh, a, an ex-convict trying to get a reward for ultimately returning it and getting caught and, and having no money and just coming to give it in to get his reward and leaving with only some money for his cab fare. I mean, it is a fantastic fantastically crazy story of how oj simpson's two heisman trophies have explored far and wide (laughs) since the early 90s and if you're into like heist movies and weird crime stories you have to check this piece out it's the strange but true tales of oj simpson's Hmm. heisman trophies sounds better than the stanley cup it's crazy hmm so there you go. Sounds like a great story for the Skagway Alaska paper It is paper very depart. unimportant. <laughs> but people have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for this thing. Oh, well, I can believe it. I can believe it. I would like an Heisman, actually. That would be really cool. Yeah. So there you go. A piece of metal and wood. Exactly. That does it for this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. As always, we're fabulously happy to be here with you. <laughs> Glad to be here on this long journey. Uh, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Until next time, catch you on the flip side. Bye. is that where someone just sits and squirms in a leather chair? (laughs) It's a movie scene.
Is it? It's not Elf, is it? No, it's not Elf. But it does feel like it's a that Ferrell sort of thing. adultish. Yeah, uh, a child <clears throat> in an adult's body type character where they're yeah. just like, and somebody tells them to stop. And yeah, no. Like, it, that's definitely. A, it's got to be Will Ferrell. It feels like it because it, that's probably too mature for Adam Sandler, right? <laughs> Uh, probably. Well, you know what the thing is, uncut gems. He's probably done well even before that. He did the what was it? Uh, the one where he lost his family in nine eleven with Don Chadle. Remember that one? No, I don't. What is the name of that one? Oh, some smart person listening will remind me. Yeah, except uh, and this he isn't also even did supposed Punch to be, Drunk Love. This isn't supposed to be a part of our podcast. Punch is it? Has it become part of our podcast? Uh, no, I this we were is, just this talking. Is just in the break. Yeah, this is. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tag this somewhere, front, back, somewhere. Maybe a little break in the between. Did you yeah. guys enjoy? Speaking of breaks, did you guys enjoy? Our Thanksgiving break episode. I sure did. Paul, did you love that? I figured, you know, old movie, old TV yeah. character, mashed into one. How could I go wrong? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have a talk about that later. I literally, <laughs> I literally, I gave, I gave Paul some time off. But I was like, I, I feel like I was up late. I was in Washington, D.C. in the basement of some brownstone house. And I was like, I don't want them to go without an episode. And so I was so literally, you were so... I was laying in bed. Oh, it's like 11.45 p.m. in a basement as I'm going to bed in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, I'm going to do Gomer Pyle as Captain Quint. <laughs> so <laughs> if you thought uh, that's that title, the kind of dedication that's right. that Jake has, I would have just let you guys suffer. That's right. Suffer without a podcast by gum. People don't say by gum enough. No. They really don't. I, I just got a text from my mom. All it says is Wooglin's Deli, Kelvin, 4750 Barnes Road. So there you go. Like, what? Is this a drug transaction? So <laughs> <laughs> it says Wooglin's Deli, period, space, period, space, Kelvin, then an address. See, this is the reason why my parents don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> right here. This is an example. They don't want to, they don't want to know about they the drug They don't want to know. They don't want doing. you answering a text. Here's the thing. They though. want to hear top five Star Wars <laughs> creatures. Uh, I, but I tagged these parts onto the end. Did you know that? No, I did not. When we have, because... these, random, <laughs> when we have these random rants, when the end credits, oh, okay. like, when the end theme music yeah. fades yeah. away... Then it fades into our random. I, I knew that. Johns. I yeah. knew that. Uh, actually, I do understand this. I had my one of my very first football coaches was a guy named Kelvin, and I thought it was like Kelvin. He Celsius Fahrenheit. Um, so I think she's now telling me that he owns or helps work at or run a Wooglins Deli. So, there so maybe he needs help. Not a drug deal. <laughs> just wanted to clear my mom's good name there, <laughs> just for you. Just there you go, mom. <laughs> okay. Now we can get to the second. <laughs> now on to rank geeks. <laughs>